Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Thank you very much for pressing the download button and pressing play for the best in the world with Richard Parr. If you haven't joined us before, this is where each week I speak to some of the greatest sports athletes in the world. They could be Olympic champions, Paralympic champions, world number ones, world champions, and we deconstruct what makes them the greatest on the planet. This week, I am speaking to five-time World Series and 2015 world champion cliff diver, Gary Hunt. And before we take the plunge into the interview, I want to tell you about Audible. Audible Audible.com is the leader in audiobooks, and I am giving you a free 30-day download with Audible. That includes a free audiobook. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash best. That's audibletrial.com. Dot com forward slash best for your free audiobook. I'll be talking a little bit more about that in just a moment. So the last few days I went to see some of the Qatar Open Tennis here in Doha. I went for the evening of the semi-finals and I had the pleasure of watching Rafael Nadal play Ilya Marchenko and Novak Djokovic facing Thomas Berdich. And it's a real honour to watch the likes of Nadal and Djokovic you know what's fantastic about this show is I speak to some of the greatest athletes in the world but to see them in real life is even greater you know I've picked up a tennis racket and I'm absolutely useless every year I'd watch Wimbledon and buy a new racket thinking yeah I'm gonna be really good and I'd face my brother and I would thrash my brother six love six one and think this is the year this is the year I'm gonna get really good What I failed to remember is that my brother is absolutely useless at tennis. And so I'd face any other friends, and my friends weren't even very good at tennis, but I'd face them and they would thrash me and then I would give up and it would just go on a loop. The next year I'd watch Wimbledon think, this is easy, buy a new racket. And I never took lessons really, and I never developed, and I never really learned, and I never really took in the kind of processes that some of these top stars have that I speak to on this show. So I really hope that you can use it so you can become better at your sport. So this week's guest is Gary Hunt. He's a five-time World Series champion, 2015 world champion at cliff diving. And we talk a whole range of topics from how he moved from platform diving to cliff diving. 
We talk about Rowan Atkinson's character, Mr. Bean. I'll link that on my Twitter page, which is at Richard underscore Parr. The addiction of learning and how he innovates new dives and new ideas. We talk about the hardest dive in the world. And Gary is such a champion that we talk to him about how he tries to avoid overconfidence and what's the what he learned from losing and then winning the world championship so lots of different things we also talk about the ufc conor mcgregor we talk about books there's so much in this podcast i really hope you enjoy if you do love to get your feedback on my twitter page at richard underscore par go to the website richardpar.net love to hear your thoughts but let's get to it let's speak to one of the greatest divers in the world cliff diving world champion gary hunt the best in the world podcast with richard parr so gary hunt welcome to the best in the world gary one thing i wanted to mention straight away is that you're from southampton that's a city i went to university in a while ago over 10 years ago what was it like growing up there and how did you first get into diving in that city? Um, well, I was, I was living there from the age of 16. I actually, uh, I was born in London and then I um, moved up to Leeds and started diving in Leeds um, with Adrian Hinchliffe. And then after I finished school, um, I moved back down south with my mum and my sisters and, uh, and we chose Southampton because at that time it was the 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 best uh, diving club best senior diving club in in britain so um i started up there and went to college and then uh, and then went to university there and and stayed there until uh, only about 6 years ago when i uh, when i moved to paris and you still go go back there often um yeah there's um i managed to do a a couple of times a year a uh, sort of a diving training camp for the, for the kids at um at Southampton um it gives them a chance to 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 dive with me and then it gives me a chance to to give them a little bit of information about how I how I ended up in the job that I've got and what what a fun job that must be and so why did you end up going to Paris now why are you based there um well most of the most of the cliff divers um they learn to dive doing a diving show um and there are there are quite a lot of them around the world and i happen to to find out information about a, a diving show in in france and started started working over here in in 2009 and uh, and loved it and of course i've seen some of the pictures of you on the world series you get to go to some incredible locations so picturesque so beautiful is there a favorite place you've dived at before um it's definitely the best the best part of our job is is the the fact that we get to see all these amazing places um to pick a favorite is is quite tough one that sticks in my mind is is mexico we dived in a in a cenote basically a hole in the in the ground in in the, in yucatan and it was just a very strange sensation to be on a 27 meter platform but only really feel like we were six or seven meters high because of all the trees around and it was only when you looked completely down on the end of the platform that that you realized that the water was 27 meters below that that just sounds horrifying to me if i'm honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
it's not something you want to do every day, I suppose. And uh, and you have to get into a, a bit of a mindset to uh, to prepare yourself for for a jump off that height. But um, it's what I love doing. So let's talk about this mindset for a moment. Where where did this come from? Were you always say a risk taker? Were you always someone who wanted to push yourself further? Were you where where did the idea of jumping off really high platforms first come into your life? Is this the kind of person <laughs> that you've always been? Um, I, I wouldn't really say I'm a risk taker. I do, I do love having fun and I've always loved throwing myself around and doing like twists and somersaults. Um, I started as a swimmer, but, uh, very quickly I, I was, I knew that it wasn't for me. I, I, I saw the divers in the other pool looking like they were having a whale of a time. And so I, I knew that that was the sport for me and it just kind of went up and up. I, I was never the, the best in in my age group, I was never the best in, in Britain or, or anything like that, but I just loved the sport so much that slowly and surely when, when lots of my friends would start, start to, to quit diving and do other stuff, I just, I couldn't imagine quitting diving because it was just the, the thing that I loved the most. And so I just kept at it and slowly started to get a bit of results. And then, uh, when I found when I found uh, cliff diving, that wasn't until I was 21. But when I when I I found that when I started landing feet first, I I knew that um, yeah, this could be something uh, for me. I could maybe maybe make a career out of it. When I think of of diving, we must be of a similar kind of age range. Did you ever watch Mr. Bean? Do you remember the sketch of him trying to to do the diving? Yeah, I do, and I've I've seen that scene replayed. Very often, uh, when I take my friends up to uh, up to the twenty-seven meter, um, very, <laughs> half of them uh, do exactly that. Just don't want to take their hand off the railing and just try and get over the edge, but not not really towards the edge. <laughs> It's, it's a hilarious sketch. I'll try and put a link uh, on my Twitter and on the website for anyone who hasn't seen it before. But it, yeah, that, that's what all, I always think about when I, when I think of diving. And to be honest, that's exactly how I would uh, react if I was to do it. So <laughs> you, you competed at the Commonwealth Games in 2006. What, what was that experience like? And was there any part of that which you felt you might be missing once you moved to cliff diving? Um, well... That was my the biggest accomplishment I had uh, as a as a ten meter diver, and I wasn't really expected to to qualify. Um, there was a a team of divers already uh, entered into the the British Nationals, and uh, my old coach just suggested he he said he had a a young diver that he could put me with, and they said, oh why not why not make it an interesting competition at least for for this other team, and we ended up beating them, and uh, and so before I knew it, I was heading out to Australia on the, the biggest uh, competition that I'd, I've, I'd ever done. Um, I do miss it. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Um, it's a, a different kind of feeling. Um, but I think there's, for me, there's, there's much more positives uh, that have come out of um, making the transition to, to high diving uh, than staying with um, 10 meter diving. So I don't regret it in the slightest. So tell us about that first year of doing cliff diving. I believe it was in 2009. Um, every event must have felt really unique and different to you as you approached them. How, what, what was your mindset as you went to each event? Um, well, the, the first year when I was learning high diving, there, there weren't any competitions. I just 
did a show where I, I had the chance to 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 move from 10 meter higher up and so I spent a month learning to go up to up to 18 meters and and learn a few dives from there and then got another chance for a couple of weeks to to train at 20 meters and then after that I just had to to sit on that um experience for the year and then the following year got the chance to to do competitions which were at that point were at 22 to 24 com, uh, meters and so for for that year and year and a half two years every every step up was um was just like a a big challenge every new dive um was just something really really scary but really enjoyable at the same time and and it just felt like as there was something new i i was i was breaking new boundaries every day with with 10 meter i'd kind of learned the dives that i i could do and it was very infrequent where i would learn a new dive Whereas with this new sport, it was just something new every day. And so uh, it just really uh, got me addicted straight away. And uh, yeah, every step, I mean, still to this day, I'm I'm still uh, managing to find something every year to, to push myself and find that feeling again. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people refer to you as, as an innovator. How do some of these new dives that you come up with happen is it you just playing or or is it you having an idea of wanting to try and achieve something and working 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 on it or is it just you try one thing as as you're going down and then you're able to do something else how, how does some of these innovations you have happen um often it's um i mean we we all do two different uh two dives with unlimited degree of difficulty so we choose two there's there's a forward rotation backwards inwards reverse handstand or a twist and everyone kind of picks their two favorites and uh or which which ones suit them the most and so sometimes you just you learn a dive and then just you you maybe want to add a twist or add a somersault and that would be like a natural progression when you get stronger and you get more confident you could maybe add a twist and maybe a bit harder, you could add a somersault. Um, whereas sometimes it takes a little bit more innovation. My, my last, um, my last new dive that I, I learned last year was, um, uh, a front front triple with uh, three and a half twists. And it just came about from watching old videos. I I'd done a, a training camp in, in Berlin with the Southampton diving team. And, uh, and we were just playing around on the springboards and I was in like playing around doing some twists at the start and then stopping the twist and then starting them again. And I, I came across this video watching it with a, a, a coach in Southampton and it just kind of um, there was just a spark in my head saying, oh, I I kind of forgotten that I, I had done that. I'd forgotten that I was capable of doing that kind of twist, but thinking to myself then, oh, if I could do it then, why not? Why not do it now? And that'll be cool. Nobody, nobody's doing that at the moment. Nobody's seen it before. So, um, so it just gave me a big, big. In, I, I was just really enthusiastic to, to start this new dive. And and yeah, one of the ways is just just by talking with friends. So I've heard that you're soon going to unveil the hardest dive in the world. Can you give any clues on what that might be? Yeah. Well. Um, I have actually tried it once before in in Texas um, uh, a year ago, and yeah, it just it wasn't wasn't ready, it wasn't good enough. I, my my legs weren't strong enough, and uh, 
Uh, this time, well, the new dive that I learned last year um, was a, a front front triple with three and a half twists. And I got comfortable with it. And I started thinking that if I was going to add another twist, I might need to do a running takeoff. So I started practicing with a, with a running takeoff. And eventually, in the last last two competitions, performed this dive with a running takeoff. And so it just gave me a little bit more more rotation and made the dive feel a little bit easier so that's kind of told me that if i if i work on this running takeoff then i could uh i could fit in uh another twist so it would it's going to be called the the double in double out barani um <laughs> for for uh, technically it's uh it's front three somersaults with four and a half twists and it will be uh yeah it'll be 6.4 at the moment 6.3 is the hardest dive in the, in the world so um i i don't know if the other divers are thinking about stepping up their game or, or not but um yeah i'm preparing for for something new next year and uh to get to get back that title of having the the hardest dives in the world now you mentioned about the other competitors what obviously you spend most of your year with them you know you're going to these different locations what is the rivalry like because i would assume there's friendships but then also when you get down to business you know no one's friends um you don't really feel that that much you it, it kind of still feels like we're friends um it's uh it's not like football when you're when you're on the pitch and somebody else is trying to run against you and 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 get the ball off you when you're on the end of that board you you don't think about any any other teammate or any other rival or what they're doing it it really feels like an individual sport and so uh and that included with the the fact that we often don't have our coaches with us at these competitions, and so we we kind of coach each other. We we just ask each other to to watch our dives, and uh, also nobody nobody wants to see anyone get hurt. I mean, in a in a snooker match, you you, you probably would will your opponent to miss the ball, but in uh, in diving, you you don't want to see anyone land flat on their face or flat on their back from twenty seven meters because you know they're going to end up in hospital so that kind of we all we all want to win but at the same time we all want the end of the competition where everyone's everyone's in in one piece well, I love the sound of that supportive community. I think that probably reflects in why people are having so much fun at your events and everything going on yeah so you get called things like legends, unstoppable machine when you hear things like that, how do you avoid overconfidence? Um, it, yeah, it's, it's definitely very, uh, very flattering. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's all down to training. I think, um, when I, when I train, <clears throat> I'm training with, uh, with young guys that are, are training for the, for the Olympics on three meter or 10 meter. And they are, they are incredibly strong and incredibly fast and and so when i'm training with them i i don't feel like a legend at all i don't feel like a champion um i just feel like one of the guys that's trying to keep up with the rest of them and so uh that definitely keeps me uh staying grounded and and uh these competitions it's only for uh a few weeks in the in the year um i I'm lucky enough to get back to to go home and and not be not be a star or anything. I can just uh, get down to my normal life. 
So we've mainly been talking about the World Series Championships, which you've been a five-time champion of. In 2013, uh, you entered the World Championships where you earned silver. What did you learn from that uh, defeat? And what did you do differently two two years later when you won gold in Kazan? Uh, In Barcelona, I... Yeah, it was uh, the the biggest, uh, I, I guess you can say defeat. It was a, a second place, but um, the the gold really felt like it was in my within my grasp. I had a, I think I had a forty point lead, um, and then a dive that I I hadn't missed in uh, in over a year, I think. And so um, it was very surprising. I I didn't. I, I was kind of sure that I would be able to clinch the gold. Um, but I think it was, um, I mean, in, in that year, the 2013, I, I, I came second in the world championships and second in the, um, in the Red Bull event. And, uh, I, I don't think I was being lax in my, in my training or anything, but, um, it definitely, it definitely put a fire in my belly and, and it kind of woke me up thinking to myself, uh, okay, these guys, these guys, uh, are training hard and they're they're coming to beat you and uh and look how easy it is to to lose your title and i mean i i've i've grown so much as a diver since that defeat um and i think it, it had to happen to 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 make me really push myself selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. What I learned losing a million dollars. No, that's not me. That's Brendan Moynihan and Jim Paul, the authors 
of the book, What I Learned Losing a Million Dollars, a fantastic audiobook that I've been listening to on Audible. If you want to know what it's like to lose a million dollars and the bits of information you need to learn from it so that that doesn't happen to you so you can earn a million dollars or more money because let's be honest it's from defeat that we can gain victory and that's exactly what this audiobook does and you can download it on audible.com and guess what why don't you download it for free and if that's not your choice there's 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player and I'm going to give you a free book because you are a listener of The Best in the World with Richard Parr podcast. I'm going to give you a free audiobook download with a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All you've got to do to download your free audiobook today is go to audibletrial.com forward slash best again. That's audibletrial.com forward slash best for your free audiobook. Well, I'm going to give you some more free knowledge from Gary Hunt. Let's get back to the conversation. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. We mentioned earlier about you being brave to do the diving. Do, do you ever get scared again? And if you do, do you have any any methods to calm yourself down? Um, yeah, we're we're always always scared. <laughs> There's no denying it. Um, when you when you're up that high, um, it. I mean, when you do it over and over again, when when we're in the middle of the season and we've had lots of competitions that that follow each other, it does get a little bit a, a bit easier. Don't don't get me wrong, but um, you you kind of always know that a fraction of a uh, well, a, a tiny mistake can can lead to serious injury. So I don't think there's any, anyone that's ever dived from 27 meters that that's not been scared. Um, it just you just get more confident in yourself and uh the the more the more you go without hurting yourself or or, or losing yourself in the air um the more you can convince yourself that it, it's okay to jump and uh i i just try and fool myself into thinking that i'm not scared i i, I think that if i if i act like i'm not scared then uh then maybe I can I can convince my my brain that I'm not scared, and, and it kind of works. I I just every time I'm there, I, I don't I don't sit and worry about the dives or talk to anyone else about the dives and how I'm scared. I I just uh, yeah, just put on a brave face and go for it. You've mentioned something there exactly like something I've just linked on my Twitter the last couple of days. It was a speech by Amy Cuddy, a, a TED Talk, where basically she says, you've got to fake it till you make it. In fact, forget forget that. You've got to fake it till you become it. So it's almost that you're putting on the brave face, but actually you're hoping that by that positivity, it'll, it'll give you that uh, positive energy. And so you can just do it and forget the fear. No, that's amazing. Confidence is a, a massive part in in diving and an even bigger part in in high diving or cliff diving. Um, you you really have to be a hundred percent sure of yourself um, even to step up on that platform. And, and when you're up there, that there, there's so many doubts that can come into your mind. Um, and it, I've just seen in numerous examples when I'm when I'm feeling good and feeling confident, I dive well. And when I'm when I'm scared, then you're just not relaxed you're not um 
I've I've been on the end of the platform before and and I've I've had to step away because my legs are, are just shaking so much that I can't can't actually jump off the off the board and luckily with with experience the these moments are, are getting fewer and far between but um yeah especially learning a new dive that's that's something completely different and uh you have to go through that unfortunately to to learn new dives and and get better are you generally a confident person in your everyday life um no not really i'm not i'm not very outgoing like i i can be but i'm i'm kind of a, a reserved guy i uh keep to myself a lot um depending on how many uh how many drinks i've had i suppose <laughs> um but yeah i'm not i'm not like a some outgoing crazy person that loves doing bungee jumps or like your kind of extreme sports uh like the idea of you'd had you'd have an extreme sports star um i think i i get my uh, adrenaline rush from the sport that i do so in my in my private life i'm i'm kind of a calm calm person so on the day of a, a big dive, a big competition, what does your day look like? What what is the the food you eat? What is the preparation you go through? Is there is there any superstitions? Is there any training? Is there any stretching? Give us a, a, a typical day of competition for Gary Hunt. Um, well, it, it would depend on the on the the time of the competition. Usually, it's a it's around lunchtime or a little bit later. So I I would just wake up. Um, with enough time, like at least five or six hours before the competition, um, and just try and have a, a light breakfast. Some some of the divers don't even eat anything the day of the competition because their their nerves won't let them, and and they they don't like diving on a, a full stomach. But I I have to eat something, um, so just try and try and keep it light. We're always put up in a hotel. Um, by the organizer of the competition so i just have a have a lunch at the hotel and then um just try and stay on my feet walk around warm up maybe have a, a bit of stretching um <clears throat> and then when the competition comes comes closer like the hour an hour before the competition we're all grouped together by the platform and uh, and everyone starts doing their own individual work uh, workout or or uh, warm up and i'm I have kind of a warm up that I like doing, but um, something that I, I almost do every time is juggle. I, I worked in a theme park with uh, a couple of a couple of divers that were very very good jugglers, and uh, after that, bought bought some juggling balls, bought some juggling clubs, and uh, I found when I took them to the competition that it really took my mind off the off the the nerves and the off the well, I just had a distraction a perfect distraction from the from the competition and the fear of the competition uh, when when i juggle i'm there's there's no part of my brain that's thinking oh i have to do uh, i have to do my optionals off off 27 meters in, in 20 minutes you you can't think of that because your all of your brain is is focused on on juggling so i i uh, i always have some sort of juggling prop with me um to to play around with and then the 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 when a competition starts we all just have one one dive uh, as a warm up i always train one of my easier dives to to get in the swing of things and get my eyes used to the the height and the the feel of the water and then and then it's showtime 
That's really interesting about the juggling. I think it's something similar probably Rafael Nadal does when in between points he has to move. Everything has to be in perfect place. His water has to be facing a certain direction. He eats a bit of banana. I think it's all kind of a process that he's thinking about that rather than actually uh, yeah. the, the match itself. No, fascinating, fascinating insight there. I found, uh, yeah, a distraction. Like it, In the early days, I used to just go over my dives and, and like re- rethink and rethink all of my dives and the mistakes that I've done on them. But yeah, you can do that, but, but don't overdo it. Um, all the training should be already done. Um, when you get to the competition, it's really a, a matter of uh, just getting yourself into a calm position, getting your, getting your body into a right position to, to be able to do the dives and, and making sure that your brain is... Uh, yeah, he's not overloaded and, and is relaxed also. So out of diving, is there anyone that, uh, that inspires you? Um, I've not really anyone in particular, but uh, a sport. The sport of mixed martial arts is inspiring me a lot at the moment. Um, I, I've been watching a lot of the UFC and uh, it's, it's fascinating watching, watching what these athletes go through and... Uh, and I, I see some similarities. Obviously, there's, uh, I would say theirs is more extreme because there's, there's somebody uh, coming at you that, that you can't really uh, predict. But um, before a high dive, you know there's, there's kind of a violence coming um, that you have to do everything in your power to, to avoid. And, uh, and so watching how, how these guys train and, uh, and how, they, how they go through their, um, their daily life mentally and physically it's uh yeah really inspiring and it just gets me pumped up to to go back to training and, and train hard well you'll enjoy my chat with ben Askren, who's a mma fighter with the one fc i've had recently so you'll be able to listen to that on the podcast um have have you seen the documentary by colin mcgregor notorious six-part documentary <laughs> yeah i have that is fantastic yeah i'm i'm a a big fan of him without a doubt i mean is he completely opposite to to the way i i go about like interviews and stuff like that um i i just wouldn't be able to so like i'm in fact some of my friends have said you know what you should you should go into your interviews and you should just be like Colin conor mcgregor you should just be like cussing all the other divers and saying this and that but it's just <laughs> it's just not possible <laughs> well i like that this episode's still clean so that's good. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that it's that, that fake it till you make it till you become it type thing with Conor McGregor is I think he says these things, but actually he starts to believe them and then he makes yeah. the results happen in in the octagon. Uh, I, I just love how hungry he is in, in those episodes. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that gets me uh, pumped up and gets me inspired. So well, one other thing I saw on Twitter is you said that um, uh, if you weren't a diver, you'd like to be a table tennis player. Uh, is that true? And and if so, are there any processes or processes or skills that you think you could transfer from diving to be successful at ping pong? Um, well, I mean, I, I did ping pong uh, or table tennis from a very young age um, and absolutely loved it and still still love it to this day um i think i mean hand-eye coordination is the most important thing for table tennis and 
with any sport like gymnastics or, or diving or cliff diving is not just hand-eye coordination, it's, it's, it's body-eye uh, coordination. And, and also you're coordinating your body with the water. So you definitely have a, a good sense of spatial awareness and sen uh, awareness of your body um, as, a, as a cliff diver. And so uh, I think the, the two go well together. Yeah, great. All right, we're, we're going to wrap this up shortly. Before we go, I want to do a quick thing called five favorite things. I'm going to quickly ask you uh, like a favorite place or something like that. If you give me the first answer that comes into your mind and then out of the five, I'm going to pick one and that's the one I'll ask you to to explain why. Okay, okay. already. Mm. So, favorite movie? <sighs> favorite movie? Um uh all that stuff i would say <sighs> um jerry by goose van sant never heard of it uh animal favorite animal um whew. oh that's i i I don't think I've been asked this question in all the questionnaires that I've done over the years as a cliff diver. All the tough questions come on the best in the world with Richard Parr. <laughs> I would say a badger. A badger? Mm. City? Favourite city? Um, well, the city I live in, Paris. Music artist? Uh, Favourite music artist? Um, I... I can't give a favour. I'm I'm listening to ASAP Rocky at the moment, so I'll go with that one. And book. Favourite book? Um, um I would I would say um it's called the oh I don't know if I can remember the exact name. It's the the mystery of the the mystery of the dog it at the night in night mystery of the um yeah sorry i'm not gonna be able to give you the exact name i think it's called the mystery of the dog in the night okay well we'll try and work it out between us and i'll, I'll put in a link for everyone on the show page when this comes out all right well i think the first one the the movie is i've never heard of it i think i'd like to know why that one maybe tell me and our listeners a little bit of what it's about if you don't mind I, I mean, it would <clears throat> it would definitely be one of my favourite movies. It, it just stuck in my mind. It's um, it's a the story of two guys that go out um, that go out into the desert um, and get lost. And it's the the whole the whole film is their struggle <clears throat> trying to get back to to safety or either find their car again or find somebody to help them. Um, and it's just really well filmed and uh you just see what what the what the human body or the 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 mind goes through in these uh seriously um terrible situations when you're when you're hoping for your life and so um i think i i watched this one and uh another film elephant by the same um director goose van sant and both of them are uh, they they're kind of cold and and shocking but um but you you after the film you just leave you're left with a kind of a yeah a shock to your system and uh, yeah I like this kind of films 
To me, that sounds like jumping from 27 meters high into a, <laughs> a big area of water. Uh, so I'm not surprised you enjoy those type of movies. <laughs> so uh, as the sport continues to grow, what, what do you think are the next steps for, for cliff diving to, to expand? Um, well, we're hoping to, to increase the number of divers, um, especially the female divers. Um, we, we have somewhere between 30 and 50 high divers uh, male um whereas female i at the moment when there's competitions there there's only uh, around 10 um and there's probably another another 10 in the world that are doing shows that are capable of doing um cliff diving competitions so i would hope that in the in the next few years there would be um a bit more interest from from females and and having more more competitions available for for females and and that in turn will will lead to the the females gaining more experience and uh and this is all with a goal to towards the the olympic games um it was a massive step for us to to be uh part of uh the fina competitions the world com- uh, world championships and the world cup and uh and now our federations are, are taking note. The British swimming is is taking us under our under their wing, and uh, and so the next step uh, for me, it, it's obvious, it's the Olympic Games, and I'm I'm positive. I think that we will eventually get there. It's just a matter of time. And um, 2016 is uh, I think is out of the picture now. I think we would have heard about it um, if uh, if we were actually taking part. But um, I'm I'm sure that. Uh, yeah, if we go about it in the right way in 2020, you could see uh, high diving in the Olympics. Well, that'd be great to see. So before we go, Gary, is there anything else you, you want to mention, you want to promote, or if not, if you could just tell us how we can get in touch with you on social media, be it Twitter, Facebook, whatever way, maybe give your addresses so people can continue to follow your great career. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, no, I'm not here to promote anything else apart from my sport. I, it's a it's a great sport, and I wish all everyone to to follow along. It's there's RedBullCliffDiving.com, and then on the the World uh, Aquatics Association, it's it's FINA F I N A. Um, so yeah, follow us along, and uh, and also come and watch the competitions because. It's so it's so much different uh, when you actually go there and uh, and see the see the hype for your own eyes and uh, and feel it. So uh, yeah, if there's if there's one uh, near where you live, come out and uh, come out and see us uh, live in in direct. Well, I'll I'll check out the website myself and I'll try and get get along. It it looks like you guys are having a lot of fun there. A nice one. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show, Gary Hunt. Thanks for being the best in the world. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. Thanks a lot to Gary Hunt there for appearing on The Best in the World with Richard Parr. If you want to follow Gary on Twitter, all you have to do is go to at Gary Cliff Diver. And you can also follow his progress at RedBallCliffDiving.com. So that's at Gary Cliff Diver and redballcliffdiving.com. Gary also got in touch with me after the interview just to confirm the name of the book he was talking about and it's The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. So if that's the kind of book that you like, it's called The Curious Incident 
of the dog in the nighttime. It was great to have him on the show. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe, download, tell your friends. Love to hear your feedback. And if you're interested in any other sports, we've had world champion rugby players, football players, Olympic champion hockey players. We had MMA champions such as Ben Askren. And next week, we've got our first boxer, Paul Silky Jones. He is knocking out obesity. So we get some great health tips from him. He's got some fantastic stories. After becoming the world light middleweight champion in 1995, he only got his world title belt 20 years later. Plus, he tells us a story about how he nearly quit the sport in 1999 after a fellow boxer was murdered outside the arena where Paul had just been in one of his fights. Fascinating stories coming from Paul Silky Jones. That's next Wednesday. It'll be on iTunes. It'll be on Stitcher. It'll be on richardparr.net. Please download, subscribe, rate and review. And most importantly, if you've liked the show, tell your friends. It comes out every Wednesday. So I'll see you next week. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.